Would you look please, open God's precious holy word to 1 Samuel 8. In with the in crowd. You'd have to be pretty old to know what that means. Or to remember the song. I don't know what the comparable phrase would be today, I guess, to be cool or, or see, I don't know. I'm, I'm not in with today's in crowd. What? what? To, be woke. to be woke. I don't even know what that is. Huh? Be not asleep? Well. Huh? Lit? Like drunk? Well, I guess that dates me too. I mean, you know, when people were lit, when I was younger, it was meant they were drunk. <laughs> and woke was to be not, not, not asleep. Yeah. I woke up. I see that a lot. Woke. That may be a bad word. I don't know. It's not a bad word. It's a liberal thing. Oh, well, anyway. You have to think of you have to think of my day where we had hair to here, belts that wide, pants that came right there, belt buckles that were this big, bell bottoms, side zipper boots with stack heels. That's the in crowd, just about it, right? Nobody knows. I'm I keep forgetting I'm, I'm among the top 2% in age here. Um, but it means that you're cool, you know. You're, you're <laughs> with it. I don't know if that's a good phrase or not. You got it. In with the in crowd. 20 years and more have passed since our previous study in chapter 7. 20 years have passed. Samuel has not been uncalled by God. Remember, God said, listen to what he says. What he says is what I tell him to say. This is my word coming to his mouth. So that's still there. Samuel is still God's mouthpiece for the word of God to the people of God. And he is their leader and he is their judge the judge for the Israelites, of course, was the guy who judged the people when they had a dispute. So he had a great deal of authority as a judge. He was not a priest, but he was a judge. And after these 20 plus years, some things start happening. So let's look at this. Here we go again. There's a great question that has gone beyond Israel into the time of the church. And it's this. Why cannot the people of God just trust God, humbly and quietly serve God for their lifetimes, progressing and growing in the faith without controversy. 
That seems like a fair question to me. If we're God's people, if they were God's people. But the history of Israel and the history of the church, but focusing on Israel, their history is replete with failure. They just can't do what God said to do. They just can't trust God. And so they start getting outside of the parameters that have been designed for them. The church is much the same way these days. Uh, it's, it's been seen in our own convention. Man, I don't know. Uh, let's see. I used to know all of the quarrels, the major quarrels, and there's one about every 20 years. Uh, when I was coming up as a younger pastor, it was the inerrancy of Scripture. Mm, before that, uh, it was alien baptism. Do we accept the baptism of other denominations when they've immersed people? They called it alien baptism. I mean, I could just go on and on and on with all of the fights and quarrels we've had just as Southern Baptists. And I consider then other denominations and I read the journals and the magazines and the reports that are made about the turmoil of other denominations. It's just one thing after another. It was that way in the book of Acts. Remember that phrase, there was no small stir among the brethren. And then there was Acts 15, you know, are we going to let this Gentile guy be a Christian without circumcising him? That was a big deal. It was a big deal to even carry the gospel to Gentiles. You can move on from there in church history and you can see that the church has had major corrections along the way and the corrections have always been to bring people back to the word of God. It begins to float. The people of God or the church of God or Israel, they, they, begin to, they begin to meander and wander. And then they begin to have their own thoughts. God said, your thoughts are not my thoughts. Now our job is to be in pursuit of God's thoughts, not our thoughts. Our thoughts are unfiltered. They are produced from a fallen heart and a fallen mind. And that's why we need the anchor of the Word of God to keep us tied to where we need to be so we won't float away. The danger is always there. Well, the danger was here even in Samuel's day. Samuel in the previous chapter, although it was 20 plus years earlier than where we are here in uh, chapter 8. The people finally came to their spiritual senses. Having been defeated and humiliated by the Philistines. And Samuel comes and uh, he, he reappears in the book of Samuel here. 
And the people finally listened to God. The Philistines were coming against them and they were afraid and they repented. You remember the, the story that we studied a couple of weeks ago. And they came to hear God's appointed leader, Samuel, and they listened and Samuel interceded and he prayed and God smote the Philistines. God's, the people of God didn't have to do a thing. So they just trusted God. Now that was a great statement. There was a war. The enemy attacked them. They completely and absolutely trusted God and trusted the leader whom God said he had appointed many chapter, a few chapters earlier. And they listened for the word and they were obedient and humble and God took care of it. He thundered, you know, he scared them and they, they got all confused and panicky when he sent this thunder. So you would think, man, that's a great lesson. How God delivered us like this. How Samuel prayed for us. And we just, we just waited on God. All right, now fast forward this thing 20 plus years. Here we go again. And it was when Samuel had grown old that he appointed his sons judges for Israel. Now, Samuel was wrong. God does not permit, it, it isn't in the Bible that the office of prophet is inherited, nor was the office of a judge. But Samuel had grown old and he appointed his sons judges. This is much like what Eli did earlier for Israel. The name of his firstborn was Jael, and the name of the second was Abihah. They were judges in Be'er Sheba, and his sons did not walk in Samuel's ways. They turned after gain, and they took bribes and perverted justice. It is almost unthinkable that somebody in political power would chase after gain and pervert justice and take bribes. That's a joke and nobody seemed to understand it. <laughs> Samuel's old, his sons were taking advantage of an office that really wasn't theirs. It wasn't Samuel's to give. And it went wrong. Okay, so what do you do? Here comes a new generation. We want to be like the world. Now let's consider this. Now all the elders of Israel gathered and came to Samuel to Ramah. Elders of Israel. Now the elders of Israel, it was the bright idea of the previous elders of Israel to go get the Ark of the Covenant and carry it into battle. These guys don't have a real good scorecard when it comes for thinking of them to themselves, you know. They came to Samuel, the elders. And they said to him, behold, <laughs> you have grown old. 
Well, that was, that was a kind way to start the conversation. You're old. Your sons do not walk in your ways. Now set us up a king to judge us like all the nations. Now, they've lost their identity. They've lost their collective minds. God has a covenant with these people. And their part of this covenant is to understand that in their relationship to Yahweh, they are to be distinct among nations. There is no other nation in the world like the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel has had deposited within itself the word of God, the law of God, divinely raised leaders called of God, appointed by God, empowered by God. And God has divinely intervened for this nation. How many times since, now this is the close of the times of the judges. So you can go to the end of the era of the judges and go backward in time. All of the times that God, you know, time after time in the era of the judges, the people sin. God raises up a judge. The people get right. God saves them. They sin again over and over in the book of Judges. Just happens time. But previous to that, go back, uh, go back to the time where and, and we're in the book of Exodus on Sunday nights and think of the golden calf experience and how, how, how easy it was for them just to slide right back into idolatry while Moses is up there meeting with Yahweh on the mountain. And that, that golden calf experience, I mean, this is just right after God had done all that he did to bring them out of Egypt. And now it doesn't take long for them to slide right back into this sin and that's, a, that's sort of a, a preface of things to come. And it happens like that over and over and over. The, the Lord said, these are stubborn people. They just won't listen. They won't do what they're supposed to do. And time after time again, God had proven the power of his word and the the special treatment that he gave to them because he had called them out from among all other nations. He separated them as a little tribe of people. And then in 400 years, he brought them, he kept them separated and brought them out as a great nation. And they carry the promise of the Christ and nothing, nothing will stop Yahweh from delivering the Christ into this world. For the Christ to accomplish what he must accomplish. So here they are, this trendy, cool, new generation. It's not enough for us to be Israel, it's not enough for us to sit by while Yahweh fights our battles. It's not enough for us. People might laugh at us 
And the way the nations do things, it looks so good. It's so cool. It is so neat. Man, man, they do things in their, in their idolatrous worship rituals that seem so appealing to us. They have these images of these really cool looking gods and, and we just want to be like them. Now understand this in Genesis 49, indeed God promised a king for Israel. But not like this. So these people are impatient still again instead of just waiting on God. Faithful, faithfully waiting on God, having faith in God. God would take care of those two guys. God always takes care of his people. God's not blind. He's not deaf. He's, he's not asleep. He knows what's happening. But here they are. We want to be like everybody else. The thing was displeasing in the eyes of Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. Samuel prayed to Yahweh. Well, it hurt his feelings. We don't want you. We want another guy. You're too old. We want something other than what you are. And yet Samuel, as God's appointed man, has stood between Israel and her enemies all that time. But it's a new generation. They're bored. They get to looking to themselves instead of to the Lord. And they say, we need to be something more than what we are. We have an idea how that happens. We want a king. We don't want a judge. We want a king. This splendid looking fellow who could wear robes and a, and a crown and, wear, and ride a chariot and receive the cheers of the people. We want a king. Samuel didn't like any praise to Yahweh. Next thing is this. The worst thing that could happen to us is for us to get what we want. Now think about this. Like the other nations, okay? Okay, so let's look at it. Beginning in verse 7. Yahweh said to Samuel, okay, Listen to the voice of the people. According to all that they will say to you, for they have not rejected you, they have rejected me from reigning over them. God knew their hearts. They have an invisible almighty God. They can't see him. And not being able to put him on display, they can't do the stuff that the other people did with their gods which was just so inviting and exciting and it seemed so right for the day. God said, they've rejected me, not you. They don't want to be part of the covenant anymore. They don't want to be Israel anymore. And they've rejected me from reigning over them. So let's just give them what they want. Like all the deeds which they have done from the day I brought them up from Egypt. And until this day, 
They forsook me and served other gods, and so are they doing to you. This is just more idolatry. And now listen to their voice. Only you shall warn them and tell them the manner of the king who will reign over them. If it's a king, then the nation is a kingdom. So with that in mind, Samuel related all the words of Yahweh to the people who asked of him a king. And he said, this is what's going to happen when a king comes to reign over you. He'll take your sons. He'll conscript them and put them in the army. And they'll run before his chariots. And he'll appoint them to him, commanders of thousands, commanders of fifties, and to plow his plowing and to reap his harvest, to make his weapons and the equipment for his chariots. He will put everybody to work for himself. Because you see, in a kingdom, the king owns everything. It's his. He allots the land the way that he wants to. People serve him in the way that he decrees. And he takes whatever he wants to take. And it's different. It's not like it was where the people would work the land for themselves. And they had a, a great degree of freedom under the rule of Yahweh. They wouldn't have that anymore. They didn't think about that. It's, it, it, it reminds me much of the, of the atmosphere of the day, you know, where people are wanting the king to do everything for them. But when he gets to doing everything for them, it's just not like what they thought it was going to be. Make them do everything. He'll take your daughters for his perfumers, for cooks and for bakers. He'll take the best of your fields and your vineyards, your olive trees, and give them to his slaves. He'll take a tenth of your grain crops and your vineyards, and he will give them to his officers and his slaves. He's going to tax the stuff that he leaves with you. He's going to make you pay tax. So that for all of your work and all of the grain that you bring in and all the harvest and what you gather from the vineyard, all of that, always and forever a portion will belong to the king. It won't be yours. You'll be, you'll be the one who plants it. You'll be the one who tends to it. You'll be the one who harvests it, brings it in, gathers it. And he'll come in and take in this case, 10%, but whatever he wants, he'll take it. He's going to tax you because he's the king and he can do that. And he will give them to his officers and his slaves. That's called wealth redistribution. That's what it is. Take the guy's stuff and make him give you a percentage of it. There's nothing you can do about it. And when he gets it, he'll do whatever he wants to do with it. And he will take your male and female slaves and your handsomest youths and your donkeys and put them to his work. 
And he'll take 10% of your flocks. And you'll be his slaves. You'll be working so that you can be sure that he gets 10% of whatever you do. And you'll cry out on that day because of your king whom you will have chosen for yourselves. And Yahweh will not answer you on that day. When God's people want to be like the world, the world takes over. Just takes over. Could it be that even today, in so many ways, the church is trying to be like the world? Boy, you should see the placards and cards and letters that I get. Taking, I mean, totally disregarding the Bible. Nobody even uses a scripture anymore to try to under, under, underwrite and underscore what they're trying to get you to do as a church. We have a plan. You'll get a lot of members. You'll get a lot of money. You'll, you'll, you'll get all kind of stuff. We have a plan. It's an infallible plan. And here's how many people have, have given their okay to it. To be like the world, to look like the world, to seek excitement that seems to be part of the world's excitement, to try to do it the way the world does it. Where do you stop? When you start compromising with the world, where do you stop? Yahweh will not answer you on that day, you'll lose your wonderful way of life. The way of life where Yahweh would fight your battle and you don't even have to send your son to the battlefield. Yahweh takes care. He raises the crops for you and gives you the best of the best and takes care of you because he has a covenant with you. But Deuteronomy teaches that the deal is off if you chase after other gods. The deal's off. Yahweh will not answer you on that day. The people refused to listen to Samuel's voice. Now remember what God said, this guy is gonna tell you what I tell him to tell you. This is my word, this is God. So essentially they're not listening to the word of God. Because they know better. Oh, I know, Samuel, but listen, we have the, this is going to be so exciting and wonderful. No, but there shall be a king over us. And also, we shall be like all the nations. And our king will judge us. Always remember this. There is a great chasm between meology and theology. It is a space that cannot be crossed. When once you try to build your spiritual life around who you are 
and what your needs are, irrespective of the Word of God, it is doomed for pitiful, humiliating failure. Our King will judge us. Go forth before us and wage our wars. Now, think about how, how, how unreasonable this whole thing is, okay? We don't want your sons to rule over us because they are your sons. And so we don't like, we don't like a regime, a regime that is passed from father to son. <laughs> but what does a king do? The regime passes from father to son. How stupid is that? Our king, he'll go forth before us. Oh, we'll get to see him. We don't care about looking at the dead bodies of Philistines that Yahweh just caused to drop dead. We want to see this mighty king go out and fight this battle. And wage our wars. Samuel heard all the words of the people and he spoke to them in the ears of Yahweh. He always said to Samuel, listen to their voice and you shall make them a king. Samuel said to the men of Israel, go every man to his city. Well, we know where this is headed. It's Saul. Just an awful thing to happen to these people and yet still God would not forsake them. Want to be like the world? Want to look like the world? We want the excitement that we perceive the world has and we'll stop at nothing to get it because we want to see this glorious king in action. We want to see this stuff and let him be our king. Our king that we have designed and called for. Well, we'll pick it up there next time, God willing. We'll have our deacon prayer time.